0: Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. And good afternoon, I'm Leon Davis. And when I started putting this podcast together, one of the things that I was thinking about was how fragile or how sturdy is our government. And in the course of doing research and building up my argument, I kind of just realized that there was really something else that needed to be talked about. We'll get to that right now. So again, thank you for joining me. Pardon me. Um, when I was out researching, I uh, did a search on the history of governments because I, one of the things that I think is real important is is that understanding the history, understanding what came before the purpose of it being implemented and how it was implemented, what problem it was attempted to solve is a uh, important factor in understanding the, the solution that was in place or why governments exist. And uh, some people will tell you that um, history is no indication of the future. And I am not a, in that camp. Uh, though history will not give you a complete picture of what to expect down the road, uh, history can be a very good indicator of what you might be able to expect. So anyway, I ran across this um, this website and These few paragraphs uh, caught my interest, and I want to share them with you. And I'm going to read it just all the way through first. Uh, It's only about four paragraphs. I'm going to read them through first, and then I'm going to go back and dissect them a little bit. Uh, One of the principal functions of government is to remain in power. Governments do not relinquish their authority unless uh, compelled to do so. Many of the actions of politicians and civil servants can be explained by the need to maintain and enhance their power. Every government strives to increase its legitimacy in the eyes of the people. It may identify itself with ancient traditions, with hope for the future, or with fear of a common enemy. Some governments employ repression, never relaxing their vigils against real or imagined opponents. Even democracies, when threatened, are likely to engage in a search for subversives and enemies of the people. When a a regime draws its main support from a privileged class or group that decreases in numbers and strength when a government becomes ineffective in handling domestic affairs or countering external threats or when a society's consensus on the principles and goals of government evaporates a government tends to lose authority the French monarchy in the 18th century and the Russian monarchy in the 20th century were based on aristocracies that had lost much of their legitimacy in the eyes of the people eventually these regimes were unable to enforce their laws and revolutions swept them from power Governments tend, therefore, to foster widespread ideological commitment to the nation through patriotic ceremonies, propaganda, and civic education. They employ armed forces and intelligence-gathering organizations for national defense. They maintain police and prison systems to ensure domestic order. And they undertake the administration of supervisory and regulatory functions, to carry out national goals by establishing various bureaucracies to handle each complex function. Okay. Um, there were a lot of similarities. Of course, there are gonna be a lot of similarities there with some of the things that I see going on in our government today. Um, and I'll, I'll come down, to, let me start from the top. So one of the principal functions of government is to remain in power. Now, I, Pretty much disagree with that. Uh, pretty much disagree with that, pardon me. And um, a government's responsibility should be more to the people and to um, the population that it serves, because government really does serve the people, it is there to help protect. And defend uh, the resources and lives of the people um, that are within its jurisdiction. Um, the idea that keeping its power uh, is the prime one of the primary directives of it uh, ignores all of that, really, uh, and says that the only reason that they do the things that it does—the protection of the people, the um, development of resources, um, laws, are there just so that the government remains intact. So I disagree with that part of it uh, in the beginning. Then governments do not relinquish their authority unless compelled to do so, which makes sense. I mean, w- what good is a government that just decides one day that they wanna walk off the job? Um, they're not governing. Their, their responsibility is to be there to defend the ideals that the, the community holds Um, until the ideals of the community change and then the government is no longer able to change with that. Many of the actions of politicians and civil servants can be explained by the need to maintain and enhance their power. Again, I think it's a short-sighted view. Um, Of course there are going to be um, members of any government, whether it's a authoritarian or dictatorship or even in a democracy there are going to be certain members that are going to see power as their primary goal that's in a sense in a sort in um in the uh, pardon me in the case of a democracy we can remove those actors that no longer have the interest of the, the community that government serves as their primary objective. When that actor sees their own benefit over the benefit of the majority of the people, that actor no longer provides a service to the community. And it's co- incumbent upon the community to take action against that particular um, member of the the government now in the process that member because of their actions can do untold damage to the community the, the uh, position of government as a whole once the uh, government is seen as being self-absorbed and that the members of government are only there for their own benefit then people the community that is supposedly served uh, starts to believe that the government no longer functions for them. And that may be only a few actors um, versus uh, the whole government or the government as a whole. And depending on the position of the actors that are taking those actions uh, will determine how much of an impact that they have on um, how how the community or how the, the Uh, the body of people are going to react or going to believe that there, uh, that there is a problem. Um, Every government strives to increase its legitimacy in the eyes of the people. It may identify itself with ancient traditions with hope for the future or with fear of a common enemy. And we understand that, um, that is part of the basic goal of a, a government is to, um, protect the community or protect the citizenry from um, from bad actors outside inside and outside so if another country is threatening the community then the uh, it's the role of the government to to uh, eliminate that threat and if there are uh, a threat coming from within its borders they're also there to to handle that um, <clears throat> what i what i think was also mentioned here was that um that some of these threats are just created to endear people to the government to give the reason for the government to be there so in other words the government cooks up this idea that there's an external threat when there really isn't one just so people will will trust that that government is doing its job now there's no reason to say that that's not uh, true There, not every government operates under the same premises we are in a democracy and our democracy may be handled differently than another democracy or a dictatorship a dictator may and I don't want to limit it to a dictator but using them as an example a dictator may uh, feel that they're losing grip on their power and then they may cook up an um, uh, enemy that doesn't exist or make someone a villain or another country a villain uh, for, to create fear and anxiety within the society so that they can hold power. Um, some governments uh, employ repression. Uh, never relaxing their vigils against real or imagined opponents, even democracies, when threatened, are likely to engage in a search for subversives and enemies of the people. So, we have a situation where um, we're looking at all of the threats. Now, so if we look at our history, just taking our history, Uh, there's always been the threat of communism, the threat of socialism, the threat of... um, We've had two of the largest economies or largest states in the United States talk about secession. These are internal threats. Um, Texas and California mentioned breaking off and doing their own thing that has an profound impact on the union and can cause others to feel less confident in the government that it's doing its job or that it's, it's serving all of the people. Now this next paragraph was where I started to Look differently at not so much it was that, that our our government is f- is sturdy they can it can handle but but why what what are some of the real threats internally or some of the additional threats internally when a regime draws its main support from a privileged class or group that decreases in numbers and strength. When a government becomes ineffective at handling domestic affairs or countering external threats or when a society's consensus on the principles and goals of government evaporates, a government tends to lose authority. We've noticed that there is a change in demographics in our society for several hundred couple of hundred or more years there has been a privileged class and we've seen that challenged recently a lot now they may feel under threat may not feel under threat it has been talked about and what are what are the privileged class willing to do to maintain its authority they ran government for hundreds of years they've never known not being the dominant class and yet there's information that says in 20, 40 years, they will no longer be the dominant class. When you can see, if it was 200 years, there's not that sense of urgency. When it could happen in your lifetime, that changes the sense of urgency, that changes your focus. Because now you have to deal with the concept that you're not in your lifetime going to be the main beneficiary and recipient of government actions. You are accustomed to a particular lifestyle and that lifestyle is going to change in your lifetime. Not some nebulous number down the road. You've, you can see that in the representatives in your government. You can see that in your local, because we talk about politics being local, you can see that when the local sheriff or the local police chief or the mayor or several council members are different. They are culturally different than you. now. We can discuss cultural differences. Uh, A lot of times, cultural differences is just, uh, I I don't wanna wanna say a code word for it, but but basically is a reference to uh, a different shade, a different color, a different uh, uh, origin of nationality. That doesn't mean that they are first or second generation uh, immigrants, but you know that they're, they didn't migrate from the same part of the world that your ancestors migrated from. Now, I've heard people say uh, that um, prejudice is not born. We see, you see pictures. Some of that is and some of that, some of that isn't. That's another discussion, Um, but we tend to feel more comfortable in groups where we have more in common. So if you're in a group of, if you're over six feet tall and the majority of people are that you're around are five foot two. There's things that they share that you can't share. There's things that they do that you don't particularly are able to do well. There are things that you do better that they don't. So if another six foot person comes into your sphere of influence or comes into the circle of people that you're involved in, there's a gravitation to that because there's an understanding of um, recognizing that you share some commonality and you may not do it as something to hurt or harm it's just you feel more comfortable sharing certain things because it's an experience that you can share and you can relate to easily now that doesn't mean it it's always going to be the case it doesn't mean it's it's the same every time but but that can happen that happens um, so we're in a situation where the, the makeup of government the makeup of society is changing it's it's morphing and I've heard people talk about We're a country of immigrants. Yes, we are a country of immigrants. But if you look at our history on immigration, I don't think we've always welcomed immigration. Immigration was used in the early part of the developing of the United States for work, to create wealth. And so immigration was more tolerated than encouraged as we have developed as a society more people are realizing the benefits of immigration and they're saying let's embrace immigration let's not just make immigration about um, wealth accumulation it has to be something more than that because we've developed as a nation and we have resources and we have abilities and and the desperation of creating wealth and stability is no longer prime a prime directive so let's let's make immigration more humane. And you can hear that in the discussion about who should be able to immigrate. We want, someone has mentioned that we want to make it about getting the best people. It's still about wealth creation. It's still about uh, generating the best. So we can go into to there's some other aspects of that that I would like to get into at another time but but we're still using some of us are still using immigration as a way to accumulate wealth because who's who benefits the most from that wealth is it the the, the immigrants who come in and do that work or is it the society as, as the the um dominant group, the privileged class getting the lion's share of that effort, of that immigration policy. As more people get into government who espouse this um, more relaxed immigration, the privileged class is going to push back harder because they never saw immigration as a humane act. So they push back against those politicians and elected officials that don't seem to get that. That conflict though it may seem natural in government, for those who aren't elected officials, how are they interpreting that and do do they see that as a natural part of the growth of a country or do they see that as um, something where the government does not function well? Let's see, so if the government, so we t- we, it, it, uh, part of the article talks about the government becoming ineffective when when you can't find um, if you don't identify the core reason for someone's behavior, you're never going to be able to reach. consensus if I do not share with you why I oppose an issue and all of the reasons that I give you are not my true concerns whenever you try to address the concerns that I've given you you're never going to be able to address the true concerns you're only going to be given you're only going to be able to address the smoke screen that I threw up because I don't want to tell you why I don't support your initiative or why I support this particular one and not another one so there's going to be this difficulty creating or becoming to uh, consensus because there's not an in order for there to be consensus, you have to know what you're dealing with. You have to know the history. You have to understand what you're trying to, what the goals are and, and what that person needs in order to be satisfied and be able to make concessions. Concessions is a natural part of what we do every day. You, you can't go in your neighbor's yard and dig a hole. That's a concession because you can walk wherever you want to walk and pretty much do what you want to do, except we have policies that keep you from just wandering onto someone's yard. So you make a concession every day. Everyone makes concessions every day. You're out in public and you can't just rip off all of your clothes and stand new to the world. That's a concession. You, it's something you might want to do. It's something you well within the physical capabilities of doing, but there are constraints on your behavior. So we make concessions every day. Why is it that in in government people can't make concessions? What what keeps them from finding common ground? And I think part of it is is that we don't share all of the our concerns so that they can be addressed now there are a number of reasons that we don't do that we may be concerned that um if i give you my concern you will find it uh, trivial and because it's important to me um, i don't want to be exposed to trivial um So the French monarchy uh, in the 18th century and the Russian monarchy in the 20th century were based on aristocracies that had lost much of the legitimacy, their legitimacy in the eyes of the people. And eventually these regimes were unable to enforce their laws and revolutions swept them from power. Now, as we, f- as we battle in our current political climate, you will hear, and I have heard, maybe you haven't, but I have heard on many occasions people going, they're never going to do anything. They're never going to get anything done. There's just become this resignation that things aren't going to change, that we're not going to move forward, that we're not going to get things done. As that wrecks, it seems harmless, It seems harmless, it's just uh, people just frustrated, they'll come back around, they'll get it together. My concern would be that once that that starts to set in, it feeds on itself. It feeds on itself and it doesn't go away easily. And the next instance and the next instance of something like that only causes further and further regression. So we're in a place, and maybe we've been there all the time, but it seems highlighted it seems um, more prevalent with and normally there's an optimism that given some behavior or some Change that things are going to get better. There's that pioneer spirit, and I like to call it a pioneer spirit, where we've struggled and it's tough, but we will get through this. I hear the words, I just don't see the conviction. Governments tend, therefore, to foster widespread ideological commitment to the nation through patriotic ceremonies, propaganda, civic education, employment of the armed forces, and intelligence gathering organizations for national defense. You try, as a government, which is made up of the people of the society, you try to reach people to get them to understand governing is hard. Getting for every person within the, the um, protective area of that government, there is a different idea of how the government should function and what should be done. You can't do all of them And so how do you get people to sign on to something that they don't particularly want to sign on to? How do you get them to realize that not fighting the system is going to be better than fighting the system and that we can somehow find common ground? And difficulty is, is that we have had extreme trouble finding common ground in the current political environment. So hopefully that will change. I'm getting close to my time here, and uh, there were a couple of more things I wanted to share. One of the the things that I thought was important is that we talk about um, how important STEM is, science, technology, engineering, and math. And yet, our scientists, our technologists, our engineers, our mathematicians are dying at an alarming rate and we seem to hold on to the past, then move towards the future. One, one other thing I wanted to talk about was bravery and courage. Um, bravery, I'm sorry, courage Uh, mental is a mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Bravery is the quality or state of having or showing mental or moral strength to face danger, fear, or difficulty. And I like to believe that um, courage is the act of fighting back fear and bravery Is the implementation the physical implementation of courage Uh, recently a high profile official made a statement that they would run into an active shooter situation with no weapon and no fear I I don't necessarily equate that to bravery I do equate that to uh, speaking um, rhetorically um, any wise man would not run into a situation where they are unarmed or cannot effectively disarm a person uh, just blindly running in thinking sacrificing my life is the best way to defuse this situation so i I attribute that to rhetoric and propaganda but from our highest officials, hopefully we can get something a little more substantive and possible than just rhetoric. Quickly in the news this week, uh, three articles, HUD cancels an order for uh, $31,000 dining room set after The Department of Housing and Urban Development announced Thursday that it is canceling an order for $31,561 dining set purchased for a makeover of the Secretary Ben Carson's office after a whistleblower, Helen Foster, filed a complaint. Foster said she was demoted for refusing to fulfill the purchase and claims it was requested by Carson's wife. Amid an environment where top officials told her to skirt or break the rules, Foster says she was told the department has always found money and for this in the past and that $5,000 will not even buy a decent chair. Uh, this, the department said in response to that report that Carson decorated his office mainly with furniture from the agency's basement and did not ask for a new dining set. Instead, HUD blamed it on a career staffer. Uh, The $31,000 request was later um, canceled. Program Georgia lawmakers punished Delta Airlines, a sweeping tax bill passed the GOP-controlled House and Senate by wide margins on Thursday. Stripped from the bill was an airline fuel exemption that would have heavily favored Delta Airlines. The airline would have reaped an estimated $38 million. The bill was passed just days after Delta reacted to the school massacre in Florida by announcing it would no longer offer discount fares to NRA members. Delta Airlines is Georgia's largest employer with 33,000 employees. That's going to wrap it up for today. I want to thank you very much for joining me. Uh, I had a little bit more I wanted to share with you, but my time ran out. Um, So, Let me say that I have enjoyed being with you this week. You can replay this video podcast here on YouTube. The audio podcast is available on stitcher.com, podcast.com, the iTunes store, and the Google Music Play store. The internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like and share this episode where you find it and consider leaving a comment because it really does matter. And as always, be cool, be calm, but above all, be careful. Look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.